You're listening to Dr. Leslie Inspires, a show where we empower mothers by raising their level of awareness, discussing tough mother-son issues that everyone knows exists, but no one is talking about. Dr. Leslie is joined by Mr. Wayne, who provides insight from a male perspective. To learn more about us, visit our website at www.drlesleyinspires.com. Now, here's your host, Dr. Leslie. Okay, hello, hello. And again, welcome. I see Miss Danielle, Miss Rochelle, and Miss Delrose, and Mr. Wayne. Welcome, welcome. We're going to go ahead for the sake of time uh, and just continue on. And those that get on, we will just go ahead and admit them. So the reason for this conference is to really get to a place of prayer and really understanding that with the understanding that, you know, God is doing always something. Look at me and think that I'm going to have oh. a little salad, maybe a soup. I'm and that'll sorry. be the whole meal. And when I do my actual order, this is priceless look on their face. Like they can't believe like, is someone else coming? I love food. I eat. So what we are trying to do is just get to a different place of prayer uh, for our sons and for our mothers, because we know and understand that, you know, we have all done the best that we could with what we knew at the time. And it is time really for us to forgive ourselves, confront whatever it is, and just forgive ourselves for what ever it was. And just knowing that once you forgive yourself, God, he's already forgiven you. Okay. But we want to go ahead and we're going to start in prayer. And this is going to be a longer prayer uh, than normal because we want to use this time, this time for this conference specifically to pray for our sons, our uncles, our nephews, our fathers, um, our brothers, because the sons that we have, the young men that we are raising at this time, uh, we are trying to do something different. We are trying to raise men the best way that we know how, because many of you are in single uh, family households. You are in places where you, know, you may not have the support that you want, the support that you need. And in order to get that at this place, we need God. We need help because we cannot do it ourselves. And another man may not necessarily be available to you, but we are going to pray that God would bring you what you need. And also we want men to take their rightful place uh, in society and in families. And what we want to do is look at ourselves, look at ourselves as mothers and figure out what is it that we are doing? What is it that we are doing that could be done differently to help that young man to take his rightful place uh, as the son, as the prince, as Mr. Wayne uh, usually says. We want him to be the best that he can do. And we don't want to be that person that is downing him, but we wanna be able to lift him up uh, with our words. Our words mean so, so very much. So we're going to use our words right now and pray. So if everybody can just bow your heads in prayer right now. Father God, in the name of Jesus, 
We thank you, oh God, for this opportunity to come before you right now. And Father, we pray that this session would be all of you and none of us. We thank you, oh God, for each and every mother who is on this call and those who are yet still coming. Father God, we just thank you for each and every mother who you have entrusted her, a young man to her. You have entrusted her at a place where you believe in her enough to give her that young man. And maybe the father did not make it as part of his upbringing. But Father God, we're asking you right now in the name of Jesus that you would give our mothers the wisdom, the knowledge and the, and the understanding that they need in order to raise up these kings and princes the way that they need to be raised. Father God, we need men and these young men to take their rightful place in society. We need them to take their rightful place in the community. We need them to take their rightful place in our families. But Father God, we cannot do it on our own. We need you right now. We need you in the name of Jesus. Father God, we're just asking for you to help us to forgive ourselves in places where we didn't do right by our sons. And we put them in a place where they couldn't necessarily do right by their families. They couldn't do right in school. They couldn't do right uh, in their families, in the communities to do the things that they needed to do because of something that we feel that we did, the guilt that we may be feeling, oh God, please take that away from each and every mother, oh God, because we know that you have not given us the spirit of condemnation. That is simply from the devil, but we do not want it any longer. Father, we just thank you, oh God, for just being who you are, oh God. And Father, we're asking for wisdom, Give each and every mother who may not be on this call right now, but may listen to this uh, recording later. Father, give us the words to say to her right now. Give us the words to speak that she might hear a rhema word where she will understand exactly what it is that she should do. Even if a man is not in her life, oh God, you have equipped women. You have equipped women. You have equipped her to do what it is she's supposed to do. And maybe she is supposed to do nothing at this point. But Father God, let her know, oh God, sometimes the best thing that we can do is let them go. Father God, sometimes the best thing that we can do is let them go. And if that is the thing that she needs to do, oh God, please take away the guilt from her. Because the guilt that many of these mothers are feeling is the guilt that is taking them down causing them to do things that they would not normally do. It's causing them to do things that they should not do for their son. And in this, at the same time, it is causing their son to become a person that you have not called him to be. So Father God, we just thank you right now that we have eradicated the spirit of guilt. We rebuke the spirit of guilt right now in the name of Jesus. It has no place in anywhere in our lives. So we stomp on it. We pick it up and wrap it up and throw it into the sea of forgetfulness. So Father God, we just thank you right now for this time of prayer, for this time of worship, for this time of just 
being thankful for who you are and thankful for hearing our prayers because we know that not one of these words, not one of the tears, not one of the whispers and even the silent desperation that the women are going through, none of it is falling on deaf ears. You said that you will hear our prayers. And Father God, you said too, that if we would speak to the mountain, that it shall be removed as long as we believe in our heart, as long as we trust that you are God and you will remove it, you shall remove it. So we just thank you, oh God, for what you're going to do uh, within this next 45 minutes. We just thank you. We honor you and you. we thank you for being in our midst, in our presence. And it is in the mighty matchless name of Jesus we pray. Amen. 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 So remember, this is a time of prayer because we want God to be in our midst. We want him to help us as we are planning to, as we are planning to just do a new thing and just not allow guilt and condemnation to lead and guide our lives. So again, I'd like to welcome you and just thank you for being on this call. One of the things that um, I wanted to talk about is, hello, Sharon, thank you for joining us. One of the things that I wanted to talk about is, uh, and you can feel free to type in the chat if you have any comments that you wanna make. I would like this to be uh, somewhat interactive, but just feel free to type a comment or anything in the chat to keep it going. And if you have any questions, you can save those to the end, okay? Um, and we will have a Q&A session. So I wanted to start this off by talking about um, 1 Samuel 2, 12 through 36. And some of this I will be reading and some of it I will be paraphrasing because this is like the premise of why I do what I do, because I want, just like I said in my prayer that we just had, I would like, and I feel like God is calling us to this place so that we can help our sons, so that we can help our sons to become better fathers to their children. If not, it's going to be a continuous cycle, but I want to start with mothers mothers who understand who they are and mothers who understand that wherever their son is, there's a, there's a place and there's a reason. And I want us as mothers to look at where we are and look at the role that we ourselves have played in being, you know, in the condition of where our sons are and change it because it does, they don't have to stay that way. Even if they choose to stay that way, we have to change and we have to make a transformation within ourselves. And it starts with one desiring to want to make that change. Some women, they're like, I'm good. If that's the case, that's fine. But we're looking for mothers who know that something is wrong and they know that there is a role that they played in it and they want to change. And that is okay. It's okay, but you have to want to change first. So part of what I'm going to be reading from 1 Samuel 2, 12 through 36 is uh, 
about this father who did not necessarily listen to God while he was raising his children. He allowed his children to do what they wanted to do. So I'm going to start there. Uh, okay, so Eli's sons were evil men who had no regard for the Lord. Now, it was their regular practice to send out, uh, send out a servant whenever anyone was offered a sacrifice. And while the flesh of the sacrificed animal was boiling, the servant would come with a three-pronged fork in his hand into the pot and demand that whatever it be brought up be given to Eli's sons. This is how they treated all the Israelites who came to Shiloh. But even before the fat was burned, the priest's servant would come and say to the person who was sacrificing, give the priest some meat to roast. He won't accept boiled meat from you, but only raw. So if the person said to him, let the fat be burned first and then take away, take whatever fat you want, the servant would answer, no, hand it over right now. If you don't, I will take it by force. So the sin of the young men was very great in the Lord's sight for they were treating the Lord's offering with contempt. That was the problem. So now the, the story goes back talking about Samuel. Samuel, though only a child, was the Lord's helper and wore a little linen robe, just like the priests wore. Each year, his mother made him a little robe and took it to him when she went up with her husband to offer the annual sacrifice. Now, remember, for those of you that don't know the story, Hannah was Samuel's mother. And Hannah was a lady who she prayed and prayed and prayed for this son that she had, which came out to be Samuel. Samuel, And she prayed that if the Lord would give her a son, that she would give this son back to God. And that is exactly what she did. And so the Lord gave her Samuel, and when he was born, she took him up to Eli, who was the priest of the house, and she allowed Eli to raise him. And because of her faithfulness, God gave her uh, two daughters and three more sons that she actually raised at home. And so, let me see. So Eli, we're going back, Samuel, he grew up in the presence of the Lord with Eli in the tabernacle. So Eli was getting very old but he was aware of what was going on around him. He knew, for instance, that his sons were seducing the young women who assisted at the entrance to the tabernacle. I have been hearing terrible reports from the Lord's people about what you are doing, and it is an awful thing to make the Lord's people sin. Ordinary sin receives heavy punishment, but how much more is this sin of yours which has been committed against the Lord? If one person sins against another, God may mediate for the offender. But if anyone sins against the Lord, who will intercede for them? But his sons would not listen to their father, for the Lord was already planning to kill them. And the boy Samuel grew in nature, uh, grew in stature and in favor with the Lord with, uh, with people. So now here comes this prophet who gives a uh, who gives a prophecy against the house of Eli. And how many of you know that God will speak to you through other people? 
maybe like me, if, go ahead and put that in the chat, please. If you know that God will speak to you through other people. Now, a man of God came to Eli and said to him, this is what the Lord has told me to tell you. Did I not clearly reveal myself to your ancestors' family when they were in Egypt under Pharaoh? I chose your ancestor out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to go up to my altar, to burn incense and to wear an ephod in my presence. I also gave your ancestors' family all the food offerings presented by the Israelites. Why do you scorn my sacrifice and offering that I prescribed for my dwelling? Why do you honor your sons more than me by fattening yourselves on the choice parts of every offering made by my people Israel? Therefore, the Lord, the God of Israel declares, I promised that members of your family would minister before me forever. But now the Lord declares, far be it from me, those who honor me, I will honor, but those who despise me will be disdained. The time is coming when I will cut short your strength and the strength of your priestly house so that no one in it will reach old age and you will see distress in my dwelling. Although good will be done to Israel, no one in your family line will ever reach old age. Every one of you that I do not cut off from serving at my altar, I will spare only to destroy your sight and sap your strength. And all of your descendants will die in the prime of life. <clears throat> and what happens to your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, will be assigned to you. They both will die the same day. And I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who will do according to what is in my heart and mind. I will firmly establish his priestly house and they will minister before my anointed one always. Then everyone left in your family line will come and bow down before him for a piece of silver and a loaf of bread. Going back, the Lord now calls Samuel. Now, Samuel was the young man, remember that the Lord raised up Hannah, she gave him over for Eli to raise. And Eli is the same person that just gave, that was just given the um, prophecy to. And so now Samuel is growing up. He's growing up and he's learning more about the Lord. Eli is getting older. So one day, Samuel, he is sleeping or he's trying to go to sleep. And he heard the Lord call his name, Samuel. And Samuel said, he went to Eli and he was like, you know, yes, you, you know, you call me. And he said, no, I didn't call you. You know, go ahead, go back to bed. And he went back to bed and he heard his name again, Samuel. He went back to Eli. Did you call me? Yes, yes, sir. He said, no, I didn't call you. So by this time, now Eli is thinking, I think this is the Lord calling him. And so he went back the third time. He said, if you hear your name again, say, yes, Lord, I'm listening. He went back to bed and he heard his name, 
Samuel. And then that time he said, yes, Lord, I'm listening. So the Lord said to Samuel, see, now this is years after the other prophet had given Eli the prophecy. See, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin that he knew about. His sons blasphemed God and he failed to restrain them. Let me say that again. His sons blasphemed God and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned by sacrifice or offering. So now Samuel had to go to bed and he had to sleep on this. Can you imagine how much he probably slept or did not sleep knowing this information? So the next day, Eli got up and said, so, um, so what did the Lord say to you? And uh, he was, you know, very hesitant. He didn't really want to say what he said because it was bad. It was bad. He didn't want to be the bearer of bad news, so to speak. So he said, what was it the Lord said to you? Do not hide it from me and may God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide anything from me that he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, he is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. So the Lord was with Samuel as he grew up and the Lord let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. We're coming to the end. And all of Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet. And Samuel's word came to Israel. So you've got to follow from the beginning to the end. So the Ark of the Covenant was captured. There was a fight between Israel and the Philistines. And the people sent men to Shiloh, I'm reading now, and they bought back the Ark of the Covenant of the Almighty, Almighty God, who was enthroned between the cherubim. And Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant. I had to do some research on the Ark of the Covenant. And that was the most sacred piece of furniture on earth. And it was Israel's most prized possession. It was the visible icon of the invisible God. So the Ark of the Covenant was represent representative of God himself, okay? Uh, it was actually where the Ten Commandments were housed. So when the Ark of the Covenant was captured by the Philistines, outbreaks of tumors and diseases afflicted them, forcing the Philistines to return the Ark to the Israelites. <clears throat> Here we go. When the Ark of the Lord's Covenant came into the camp, all Israel raised such a great shout that the ground shook. Hearing the uproar, the Philistines asked, what is all this shouting in the Hebrew camp? And when they learned that the ark of the Lord had come into the camp, the Philistines were afraid. A God has come into the camp, they said. 
oh no, nothing like this has ever happened before. We are doomed. Who will deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods? For they are the gods who struck the Egyptians with all kinds of plagues in the wilderness. Be strong, Philistines, be men, or you will be subject to the Hebrews as they have been to you. Be men and fight. So the ark of, the, of God was captured and Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, died. That same day, a Benjamite, he ran from the battle line to, and went to Shiloh with his clothes torn and dust on his head. And when he arrived, there was Eli sitting on his chair. Remember, this is Phinehas and um, Hophni's father. When he arrived, there was Eli sitting on his chair by the side of the road, watching, because his heart feared for the ark of God. When the man entered the town and told what happened, the whole town sent up a cry. Eli heard the outcry and asked, what is the meaning of this, out, uh, of this uproar? So the man hurried over to Eli, who was 98 years old by this time, and whose eyes had failed so that he could not even see. He told Eli, I have just come from the battle line and I fled from it this very day. Eli asked, well, what happened, my son? Well, well, the Israel fled before the Philistines and the army has suffered heavy losses. Also, your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead, and the, the ark of God has been captured. When, the, when he mentioned the ark of God, Eli fell backward off his chair by the side of the gate. His neck was broken, and he died, for he was an old man, and he was heavy. He had led Israel 40 years. His daughter-in-law, the wife of Phineas, was pregnant and near the time of delivery. When she heard the news that the Ark of God had been captured and that their father-in-law and her husband were dead, she went into labor and gave birth, but was overcome by her labor pains. As she was dying, the woman attending said, don't despair, you have given birth to a son but she did not respond. She was in shock. She named the boy Ichabod saying, the, the glory has departed from Israel because of, the, uh, because of the capture of the ark of God and the deaths of her father-in-law and her husband. She said, <coughs> the glory has departed from Israel for the ark of God has been captured. <coughs> drink some water. Now, <clears throat> that story is so important <clears throat> coming from 1 Samuel because many, we're talking about this from a father's standpoint. But many mothers that I talk to on a daily basis <clears throat> are in the position that they are in 
because much like Eli did not discipline their son. <clears throat> and as a result, they do what they want to do without repercussions, without consequences. And so when, we, when our sons don't have the consequences that they need in order to be the man that they need to be, then they get a spirit of entitlement and they feel like they are entitled to whatever it is you have. See, they felt entitled to whatever it was that their father had. Their father did a good job in raising Samuel <clears throat> because Samuel was anointed. He was already anointed by God. God is the one who gave his mother Hannah to uh, Hannah so that she could give him to Eli. <clears throat> so as a result, Eli, he couldn't control his sons. Now, many mothers in some communities are stressed because they are having to do a lot of this work on their own. They are having to raise their son either in a blended family uh, with a, a father that they don't feel like really has the best interest of their son. They are raising children uh, or raising their sons in a family with a man that, you know, some, some women, they feel the same way about the biological father as they do uh, with a father who is not their own. Either way, it's a problem. The other challenge that we are having is many women who are in a relationship with their biological, their child, their son's biological father, they are snipping his family jewels. And when I say that, it's something called just usurping the authority and not allowing the man to be the man of his own son or allowing him to be the man of his own household, which in many cases that came from, you know, his mother even being such a very strong willed woman, you know, he was told what to do. He hasn't even been able to develop on his own as a young boy or as a man. And so we are, we get into this cycle where now the man, he, the young man or, you know, man, he's in a marriage with who this person who's supposed to be his wife, who many times turns into his mother. She wants him, uh, he wants her to do the same things for him that his mother did. Why? Because the mother, she never really stopped feeding him breast milk so that he could grow up. Why? Because he couldn't do things the right way. He didn't clean up his room right, so she cleaned it up. He couldn't make up his bed right, so she made it up. He couldn't make phone calls, so she made them. So there are things that he could have done and she could have allowed him to fail because remember, he doesn't have to do them perfectly. He just needs the, the practice in doing them. He needs to feel the rejection of being told no from you and from somebody else. He needs to feel the rejection of not, uh, of getting fired from a job. He needs to feel the rejection of his father telling him something. The other thing that I hear on a daily basis is mothers feeling like their fathers are the son's father or the, the biological father, the stepfather or whatever man that is in his life. 
he is too hard on my son. And she steps in the way every single time. And then when you want him to discipline, he's like, oh, now you want me to discipline. We want them to discipline on our terms. When really we have to step back as hard as it may be. Leave the room if you have to. I have told so many parents this. Turn your head, leave the room because it is for his good. Now it's different when this, uh, you are married to somebody who is very abusive or when the person that the man who is in his life is very abusive. But nevertheless, you can't do this on your own. If you have some support, accept the support accept the support and then find a way to have conversations with your significant other with the biological father with the son's stepfather off the record because what happens is he can see your son he naturally feels the love that you have for him but what happens is when you usurp the authority of that man don't think that it's strange when he starts usurping the authority of the man of that man and starts disrespecting him you do it you do it and so it's, it's very difficult for a lot of women uh some of the women that i'm coaching right now who have done that i we have done an experiment and you know many of us we don't tell you, you know, we, we feel like we know better, but what is happening is we are taking a lot of that responsibility that we don't need. And if he didn't grow up at home with his mama, this is a good time for him to grow up because if not, you're going to be tired. You're going to be tired more so than what God has, uh, uh, allowed you to be because we've taken both roles as the man or as the mother and the father and many <clears throat> women are so strong as a result of that but we have to get to the place where we are understanding that <clears throat> i put this over my my mouth intentionally but i gotta do have to call <clears throat> some things we just don't need to say some things we have to step back from that man. Some things we have to step back from our son. <clears throat> because when we don't, we hinder that growth process. And I know tomorrow Wayne is going to talk about the chrysalis process when we hinder every time we feel like we're supposed to save that boy, save that boy who's supposed to be a man and some of these boys, some of these men are having babies and they are not, can't even wipe their own butt. They can't do the things that they need to do themselves, but yet they are having babies. The same way, you laughing, Mr. Wayne? Same way with, um, it's, it's, a, it's a continuous process that we have to stop. And that's where we get the stop over nurturing. That is the course uh, that I have. That's the coaching course, but it's also the name um, inside the Facebook group, stop over nurturing. Stop means to cease. Stop means don't do it again. 
It doesn't mean that you're not going to want to, but don't walk away, do something. You know, we do the same thing on the diets that we're, we call ourselves on. Um, <clears throat> we eat and we know we're not supposed to. But if we are going to change the trajectory of the men, the young men that we are raising, if we are going to have a better community of men, not boys, because they're boys when we have them, but we have to look at them as he's going to be somebody's husband one day. He's going to be somebody's father one day. And if I keep babying him the way that I'm doing, and people have probably told you, people tell you, you're babying him too much. Or you need to stop that and let him, sometimes when we're in it, we can't see it. But if somebody has told you that, then you should probably look in the mirror at yourself and say, okay, how do I do this? Because that's your son, that's your baby, you know? And many of us do things out of guilt. We, so many of my mothers do things for their son because they have been in a, a divorce type situation and they feel that because his father is not there, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that, because his father is not there, they fear, feel more obligated to do more for him. And those situations I have found have the most manipulation those young men become some of the most manipulative young men. Why? Because they know you're going to do it. And they figured out from a little boy, from whenever that thing stopped, you know, and especially if the man, if their father, you know, that you got a divorce and he is no longer in their life, in your son's life at all. It's tough. It's very, very tough. But if you're listening to the words that I'm saying and understanding that it's not about me, it is about the man that I am trying to raise. And this is where we bring God in because we can't do it on our own. But God, like Hannah, gave that young man to you. And you have to understand that he is here. I don't care if you, if, uh, you had him when you were 12. There is a purpose for that young man if he allowed him to flow through your womb for such a time as this. There's a purpose for him. And I don't care how bad it looks right now. I don't care how, I mean, in some cases, it, it seems very hopeless. <laughs> it seems very helpless, like, man, what did I do? And it is even difficult for some of the mothers that I work with to even like their son. They don't like him. Hey, it's not a crime, you know, but I mean, you do want to like your son. Nobody can make you like him. Sometimes the boy is just unlikable. Sometimes he's just unbearable. Sometimes you can't stand the sight of him. That's real talk, okay? And guess what? He may not be able to stand the sight of you either. And so now we've got this thing going on between mother and son but for some reason, you can't stop over nurturing him. The theme for today is stop. Because just like, thank God for his grace and mercy now. Because remember his grace and mercy in the Old Testament. You're doing something wrong just like Eli did. Oh, you're going to let them do what they want to do, huh? You're not going to correct them. That's all right. 
nobody in your family is going to be old. I'm going to stop your family line right now. And your son's going to die on the same day. But he didn't tell him that he was going to die the same day, did he? He, he? God sometimes leaves some details out, you know. So if you don't take anything else from this message, understand that no matter how difficult it may be to cut that cord, if you feel an unrest in your spirit when it comes to doing something, you might not get it right the first time or the second time or the third time, but if it's in your head that you probably shouldn't do this for your son this time, then don't do it. And if he makes you feel guilty about not doing it, walk away. Don't even listen to him. And whatever guilt there is, you know he's playing his part too. But we're talking about the part that you are playing. We can't control their actions, but we can control ours. And then I'm going to end, where am I? I'm going to end real quick with this story. My... Um, son who's 17 who just graduated for, with uh from the dual enrollment program that means he got his associate's degree while he's still in high school he has one more year of high school to do and he still has his and he received his associates on june 12th well there was a process of getting him there and a little bit of that process was uh, one of the courses he failed, he failed math, algebra. And the teacher wanted him, well, he would have had to take it over in order to get credit for it, right? So when the, he was telling me all these stories, no, he's this and he's that. He's the one, he, he don't like me. Well, I've turned in all that work that he said I didn't turn in. He's, he just started blaming everything on the teacher. But I knew also that that was a challenge that my son has taking his own level of responsibility for things that he has done. And anyway, I watched him around doing things at the last minute, you know, half doing stuff. Well, he met his match with this teacher. So, you know, I said, well, okay, I'm going to go, even though it's a college course, I said, okay, let me just go in and see what happened. Do we need to file an appeal or does he need to take this course over? Well, went in, talked to the teacher, um, and the teacher was a black male, short black male, as a matter of fact, much like my son, short black male. And so I, I introduced myself and I said, well, I'm talking to him and he's telling me that he turned in all of the work that you are saying that he did not. And the teacher listened to me and he's like, mm -hmm. he said, well, first of all, he did not turn in all of the assignments. And when he would turn something in, he would turn it in like when he got here. It's due before he gets here. By the time he gets here, we're taking the quiz. He says, so no, he didn't. And my son's sitting up there, yes, I, I you know, he's getting upset, you know, with this attitude or whatever. So I'm looking like, so I'm like, if there's anything that you need to say, I mean, that he's right here. He, and so my son said, well, I, I did turn in the homework. He, you, you did not. You did not. He said, when you, I have all of the assignments right here. He said, so anything that you turned in, I have. He said, but it's late. He said, I even give people the benefit of the doubt to allow them to do certain things over. He said, no, he didn't. 
And then some of the things that he did, it just wasn't, I said, so you don't feel like he mastered the content? He said, no, I don't. I said, so you really feel like he needs to take this class over? He said, I do, I do. <clears throat> and so at that point, I looked at my son. He was like, but I, I, I said, so if you have something to say, go ahead and say it. Why are you sitting up there? He said, because you're going to take his side anyway. I said, it's not about taking his side. If you have something to say, if you can justify it, then just go ahead. No, I'm good. So I said, okay. I said, well, he will be taking the class over. Thank you. And so we walked away, walked outside. And my son was like, he, no, see, he didn't. He, um, I told him, I said, well, why didn't you say all of that in front of him? Why are you waiting right here to say it? If you had something to say, you should have said it right there. He said, well, because you're going to take his side. I said, it's not about size. You got to remember, I'm an educator too. So I clearly understand. I said, and you know what? It's not even about the course. I said, this is an expensive lesson in ethics. This is an expensive lesson in work ethic and how you are going to go about the rest of this, uh, or the rest of your college time. And you know what? I said, I'll pay for this. I said, because you have got to learn. Oh, he was, when I tell you he was so mad at me, he was hot. He followed me to the car like he was going to get into the car. And I said, well, where are you going? Because he was embarrassed at this point to have to go back into the uh, uh, classroom. I said, uh, where are you going? I'm not going to class today. I said, oh, yes, you are. I said, it's an expensive lesson, but it's one that you've got to learn. And I thank God for that lesson. It was tough. I could have gone back and forth. But like I said, I'm an educator and I saw straight through what was happening. I saw him at home. He's been getting by, but he met his match that day. And I think it was a match that needed to happen because it changed the whole trajectory of how he did his work for the rest of his college time. Did it hurt me? Yes. Did it hurt me to see him hurt? Yes, it did. But that's just a small example of what I'm talking about in terms of us stop over nurturing. I have met parents who will go toe to toe, mothers who will go toe to toe with you on trying to save this boy because he's got an attitude. No, you need to learn how to manage your attitude. You need to learn what to do in times of adversity. You need to know that I'm not gonna save you from everything. And that was the lesson that he learned. But some of us have some very major things going on because we did not stop right then and there when our son was five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. Now some of our sons are 20. Five, 35, 45, and 55. And I'm not kidding. A lot of the mothers that I work with, their sons are older. Why? Because the younger ones, the ones that have the younger ones, they're still in denial. They have not come to grips with this is so cute. They haven't come to grips yet that it's not cute. They are still trying to learn, which is why most of my clients have older sons. So having said that, I'm going to open it up for any questions that you all may have. You've been wonderful. Anybody want to make any comments or concerns? Hi, Dr. Leslie, it's Brenda Martinez. Hey, Brenda, how are you? 
Oh, I was a little late, but I tell you, every time I hear you, you oh, you're just right on. So Amen. just let everybody know I'm going to be 60 this year. And my son's 36. And I contacted Dr. Leslie because I want to talk to her about being, I was just looking at some support and being a great grandmother and realized that, oh my gosh, I've got all these issues. And I knew they were there, but needed to work with my son, 36 years old. And everything you're saying is right on. So anyway, you just, I'm, I'm really glad to be here. And I, I just love your message. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Brenda, for those comments. Appreciate that. And you're doing a fantastic job as grandma. It's not easy for any of us. Thank you. Del Rose, did you want to say anything? I do. I, I'm so happy to be. Can you hear me? I can. Yeah. I'm, I'm so happy to be a part of this. I'm so very, very grateful. My son, I have one son and he's uh, 40, no, my son turned 52. Oh, wow. So, yes, yeah, so he's an older guy and uh, he has one son. And I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful because um, he is, my son is a deacon in his church in North Carolina. So he is uh, more or less, doing things uh, God's way. Okay. However, I look back on, on some things when I had him and I see some deficiencies because I, I, I was 17 when he was born. And, and so I did not know a lot of things and I saw where I made some mistakes. And after listening to your earlier interview, after all these years, I recognized that there were some nurturing that I missed out on. Mm. And now that he's married and he has a son of his, my grandson is now 20. And my son, because of his Christian um, uh, exposure, has done a phenomenal job with my grandson but I still see a, a small lack of nurturing. And I am um, somehow thinking that it was because I neglected to do that in the formative years. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm, I'm revisiting and looking at what can I do different? Uh, to bring that to the forefront. Yeah. You know, um, Brenda, you may be able to give her some wisdom on that since part of that is your struggle actually over nurturing. And hers is the opposite. She wants to do some nurturing. You know, your son can't give really what he has not had. Yes. But you can give that to your to, to your grandson specifically. He can know you as the grandmother who just hugs and kisses and gives him exactly, you know, what he needs. But he can know that you're the person that he can get that from, even if he doesn't get it from his dad. Yes, and I'm doing that. Yeah, I have a fantastic relationship with my grandson. 
And uh, yes, I'm learning all the things that are important not to overstep my boundaries in terms of, you know, keeping in line the things that my son is teaching my grandson, you know, to stay within those lines, mm -hmm. but loving my grandson at the same time. Amen. Is yes. there is, is this, uh, your grandson's mother in the picture? Yes, yes. My son is married, and uh, both of them are, are very involved in their church in North Carolina, and they are doing a phenomenal job with my grandson. That's yes, he, he, yeah, he's a Christian boy, and in his uh, last year at college at uh, Lenore Ryan's in North Carolina, and uh, that's going wonderful. Amen. Yes. So yes. there's some good things that really came out of it, you know? Yes. Yes. You know, so does he feel like, have you ever had the conversation with your son about the lack of nurturing peace that you see? We have not had the conversation. However, we've had situations where he will say a few that like he will say, well, mom, you wasn't there because I, I was 17 when he was born I, in Jamaica. I left and I migrated to America, to New York. And so those formative years of his life, I was not there. He came to live with me when I was 11, when he was 11 years old. At the time I was living with uh, my now husband and his five children. And I brought my son into that. So there was no nurturing that I was busy with all these children. And, you know, a year later I had my daughter. Okay. So, yeah, so I it didn't, I did, I know that I did not hug him and kiss him. None of that went on. Yeah. Do you ever feel like he, he says that out of resentment that you were yes. not there? Okay. Yes, I felt, I saw the expression on his face. Okay. Yes. Well, you and I, I saw you on my calendar for next week. So we can talk more about that next week. I'm looking okay. forward to speaking with you. Okay. okay, thank you. Wonderful. Mr. Wayne? He's talking. Ms. Rivers, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm wonderful. So you all, just so that you know, um, Mr. Wayne is speaking tomorrow as our guest speaker. So we get some of this from a male perspective. And Ms. Rivers is speaking on Thursday. Uh, she's speaking about that male mother uh, communication. <laughs> this way. So Ms. Rivers, can you... I don't know how you how your hair is looking, so I know how I am with that. But did you want to make a comment? Do I need to go on video to make this comment? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I definitely understand if you don't want to. Um, one of the things that I look forward to talking about or speaking about, I think my day is Thursday, is that we've got to remember that men and women communicate differently. And as much as we can appreciate that in relationships, we have to learn to appreciate that with our children because our children are little men, you know, not from the perspective, you know, of height, but they are geared, they're 
created their, they have been embodied with a certain level of understanding that's totally different from that of a female. And when we mm -hmm. as mothers attempt to communicate with them from our perspective, we're running up into a brick wall. And, and oftentimes that's what it feels like. I'm the mother of one son. He's an only child, 28 years old. We've had our struggles, but what I knew was that in order for the relationship to change, for things to get better, for the things that I wanted to communicate to him would be heard, I had to change as opposed to waiting on him to change and, and trying to force this square peg to fit into a round hole. I needed to change my approach and how I chose to talk to him. And I just kind of thought about the men are from Mars, women are from Venus book that I had picked up some years earlier after his dad, well, before his dad and I got divorced. And I started to think about it from that perspective. He's a little male. So I've got to approach my conversations from that perspective. And that's kind of hard if you've never given the difference a thought. So I want to talk about that and expound on some of the things that we can do that will open the lines of communication and allow our concerns to be heard, but also prepare us to listen to the things that they have to say, which of course makes them a little bit more eager to listen when they've received some listening from us. Amen. Thank you. We will look forward to hearing you on Thursday. We should have some more people. We have more people registered. I don't see them. Okay, wonderful. Before I get to you, Mr. Wayne, Ms. Oliver, did you want to say anything? I see you back there. Yeah, I enjoy hearing the story about Samuel and Eli. You told it wonderfully with a lot more detail. Amen. We yeah. should never forget that story, will we? Exactly. <laughs> Amen. Thank you. Okay. Elle, I see you there. Did you want to say anything? Okay. Mr. Wayne? You can't hear anything. Can you hear me? You can hear me? That's strange. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay, well, sorry, we can't hear Mr. Wayne, but Mr. Wayne will be speaking tomorrow. It says host has muted me. Okay, let me see. 
What about now? Okay, so we will hear from him on tomorrow. Um, we're going to go ahead and close in prayer. Okay, you can hear me, but we can't hear you. You can hear Wayne, Brenda. Brenda, can you hear Wayne? No, I cannot hear. I just hear you, Leslie. Okay, okay. I was just wondering if it was me. Okay. So we're going to close out in prayer. Please join us tomorrow. We are so happy that you joined us on today. Um, again, Mr. Wayne will be talking about uh, raising males from a male perspective. So I'm just going to close. Since I started in prayer, I'm just going to give a short prayer. Um, Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you so much, oh God, for this opportunity to come before you one more time, praying that you would give each speaker a word to give to each and every uh, mother who comes to hear what you have to say to them. It is all about improving and doing what we know to do to make our lives better for our sons so that they can have better communities, I mean, so that they can uh, be a part of better communities, they can be better fathers, better brothers, better uncles, and we, in turn, can have more peace, peace of mind, and become better mothers uh, to them. And so we just thank you, oh God, and we will be so careful to give you all the praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. Amen. So thank you all. We see you all tomorrow. Okay, thank you. Oh, thank if you, you do me a favor and leave a comment in the Facebook group, just go inside of there and just leave uh, one of your takeaways about something that was mentioned today that you found a re uh, revelation in or just something that you wanted to make a note about. If you can do that soon as we get off, while it is fresh in your mind, I would greatly appreciate it. Okay. All right. Thank Have you. a good evening. Bye-bye. Thanks. Same to you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Dr. Leslie Inspires. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review on your preferred podcast listening platform. We really appreciate that effort. Also, for more content and resources, please be sure to visit our website, www.drlesslieinspires.com. We'll see you in the next episode.